Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. All you need is love. No, really. Infuse some more love into your communication strategy and watch that customer and coworker reciprocate. It's not just for your personal relationships. Today on episode 31 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Brian Rutberg. Brian helps his clients and their companies unlock the communication keys that will lead to stronger professional relationships, repeat customers, and greater profits. Let's talk about public speaking, writing skills, and other ways to connect, and how to grow those skills in our personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. Have you heard the George Bernard Shaw quote, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place? Well, we're always communicating something as we're putting out signals through our body language, our facial expressions, our gestures, our tone of voice, and whether we've got one eye on something else or both eyes on the person in front of us. How can we get to win-win with our communication? Some techniques that I try to utilize are quickly assessing someone's personality style to see how to custom communicate with them, extending trust right away, leading with warmth, not suspicion or abruptness. I look for common ground, something that excites the other person to find a connection. And our guest today has a whole lot more than my little techniques. In fact, he's made a career of taking communication to the next level. My guest today is Brian Rutberg. Here's a little bit about Brian. He's the founder and principal of 3C Communications guiding and inspiring leaders in their organizations to develop better communication skills, including public speaking, and to make stronger relationship connections with customers and other key audiences as a path to deeper loyalties, greater market share, and way more fun for everyone. Brian's now the chair of the National Speakers Association Northwest Chapter, and I'm privileged to serve alongside him. Welcome, Brian. Well, Good morning. That that guy sounds pretty impressive. Thanks for the th- thanks for the great run up. You're you're a hundred percent right on the value of communications, and I appreciate the kind words. Uh, great to be with you, Paul. Thanks so much. Yeah, Brian, you've had over twenty years of experience in some big companies. What did those experiences do inside of you that you now overflow into your clients? Yeah, I I, I was. The other way of phrasing that is I was late to the game of working for myself and doing <laughs> consulting <too. laughs> and helping others, right? I, I really did enjoy a 20-year-plus corporate career. I got out of undergraduate school and worked for four years in a variety of small businesses, got a sense that even though I had an English major, I actually had a bit of a head for business and decided that what I really wanted to do was get into a big company and went and got an MBA and came out. And the 20 years is the period of time from the time I got my MBA to the time I went out and started working and consulting. I had the great privilege of landing at some gold standard 
international companies. I was at Hewlett Packard, I was at McKinsey and Company, and I wrapped up my corporate career at Microsoft. And as you might expect, there were the, the lessons you take away of, wow, this is how I want to do it. And the, wow, this is how I don't want to do it. Uh-huh. Learning, of course, I understand my corporate clients better now because of the 20 years that I spent inside of large, often matrix managed organizations with international concerns and trading off lots of competing priorities but also from having observed some of the inefficiencies that come from, in Shaw's words that you quoted so nicely, you know, believing communication had taken place when it really hadn't, and seeing the amount of effort, energy, and expense that had to go into essentially the rework of saying, well, what I meant to say was, or, well, hold on, we really need to explain that a little better, and the value that came from communicating well in order to build strong relationships and build understanding and, yes, develop that customer love so that the right things could happen in the business. I think love and profit can go hand in hand. I saw it work in my corporate career. The last couple stops that I had when I was at Microsoft, I ran Microsoft's executive briefing center and the program within it, our, our pro briefing program. My team would work with field sales reps to bring in top executives from Microsoft's biggest and most important customers and prospects and partners. And the role of my group was to build strong relationships. And that happened through all of the communication we did around product plans and the way Microsoft ran its own business as an example and how we worked on site with our customers to help them with implementation and onboarding plans and future purchase plans. If you can get to the point where there's really some deep understanding of one another going on and you start to feel a personal connection to the people you're doing business with, really good things can happen. Not in any sinister way, but really good things that mean everybody's achieving their mission and their objectives. The last stop I had on the corporate tour was I went from running the executive briefing center to being the speechwriter for the woman who was running Microsoft's global customer support organization. So I went from working with the elite of the elite, Microsoft's executive briefing program for top execs, to working with everybody, whether they were a Microsoft mouse user or an Xbox user or spending millions every month on their software as a service. And there too, wow, communicating with an 18,000 persons uh, consulting and uh, uh, customer support team around the globe mm. and communicating externally to every Microsoft customer on the planet. <laughs> Another great lesson in, oh, okay, if you do it right, you avoid a whole lot of problems. Anyway, that's a long answer to your question, but yeah, I, I took away that relationships really do matter. And one of the cores of building a great relationship is communicating effectively. Yeah, and you had you had three E's that you said, the, the energy, the effort, and the expense of yeah. redoing communications is a consequence if you don't really think it through in advance, right? 
And it does take energy, effort, and expense to do it right the first time. Yes. But like so many things in life, if you make the investment up front, you avoid the rework later, <laughs> which inevitably gets more expensive. There was a book I read years ago about personal organization, because that's for us creative thinkers, it's always a challenge to, <laughs> to attend to the details. But the title of it, it, it applies, you slightly, you run through a slightly different filter. If you don't have the time to do it right, how will you find the time to do it over? Oh, right? That's so, so good. The same applies to our communications. If you are intentional about what you're going to say or write and how you're going to make a connection to the other human or humans, you have a much better chance of getting it right the first time. And you have to know if you don't, you are going to have to figure out how to do it. So later, so you might as well invest the time, energy, effort, expense to get it right the first time. Oh, so good. First value bomb that Brian dropped today oh. <laughs> is, is put that put that effort in on the front end so you don't have to redo it later, which I know for me, if I have to redo something, I, I start getting irritated. Like, oh, why didn't I? That's, that's my one regret in life, right? It's when I don't put in the time on the front end. You know, you know, Brian, I'll follow up on some. So you're with the elite of the elite, like you said there at Microsoft. Uh, what did you notice about those folks? I mean, they, they put their pant leg on one leg at a time like we do, right? Yes, they do. <laughs> but, but so they had the same struggles as any of our listeners today, right? Same struggles. Yes. They're, what I noticed as recipients of information as you might expect, the higher folks go on the ladder, the more they expect to have things netted out for them, to have things put into terms of what do I need you to do or what is the key takeaway I need you to have. Right. And I don't need every little bit of background in order to be able to process the outcome and the key points. Okay. As communicators themselves, I found that they conversely had less patience for wanting to tell a full story to make sure they were understood, right? <laughs> the, the famous line, you know, seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Yes. Part of communications, whichever side of the equation you're on, is not just making sure that you're getting your point across, which means approaching it in a thoughtful ego-free way so that you are audience-focused and benefit-led in your communication. It's also the art of asking the right questions because when someone gives you just a wee bit of information because they're used to communicating in clipped terms and just expect that everyone's going to get it, there's an art to saying, tell me more about that mm -hmm. in a way that centers the original speaker so that the listener can figure out what it is they're being asked for and why that's the ask. Because usually there's an ask behind the ask, that question of why, or tell me more about that. Sometimes senior leaders aren't great at explaining what they, why they need what they need. And they can come off as entirely too directive. And this is where I get the privilege these days of working with senior leaders to help them plan their communication out to their customer base, out to their partner base, out to their employees, 
and help them explain why they want what they want and what's the value to the audience of getting where they'd like to take them. Yeah, what an interesting insight. So the higher you go in as a leader, oftentimes it could lead to impatience, wanting wanting on the receiving end, like cut to the chase, just give me the high level summary, but also on the giving expectations or sharing details too brief on that part and needing the recipient to ask the clarifying why question. Tell me more about that. That's a great insight. So Brian, you were an executive speech writer too. So how did you put together a speech for someone else to present? I'm sure there's an art form in that. Yeah, Paul, there definitely is. It, It was, there's a bunch of elements to it. I mean, as a corporate speech writer, someone who is going to be at the side of the internal client on an ongoing basis, and not just putting together something for a one-time delivery, it's really incumbent upon the writer to for sure build trust, for sure to get a sense of the communicator's voice. I had to be able to write content for, well, a bunch of things I'm not a woman, uh, a very senior executive in, in a global technology company, a working mother, a breast cancer survivor. And it was my privilege to help develop all of these different stories so that she could tell them to all of the different audiences. Having the ability to work with her, the privilege of being aligned with her on a long-term basis so that I could write something that I knew probably sounded too much like my voice. And then we could have the chance to rehearse together and work together and have her play around with the words until we had the narrative arc all set. We had the structure set. We knew the key points we wanted to get across, but suddenly through repetition and hard work, it started to sound like her voice. And I could gradually get better at writing in her voice from the start, that that's the real art of it. When you're writing for someone once, usually when people bring me in to work with them on a presentation, whether I've been asked to help them get the thoughts out of their head that are going to allow them to do their first ever TED Talk or a South by Southwest presentation or a corporate presentation that they just have to nail, you don't get that kind of extended time with somebody. So that's where I expect they're not just hiring me to write for them. They're hiring me to guide them. They're hiring me to help them understand the value of, and then take advantage of the value of creating a narrative arc, creating rhetorical devices, using callbacks, uh, which is you say something up front that ends up resolving itself later in the speech. Finding clever phrases that can stay in someone's mind or thinking about just the right graphic that's going to really land a message. And you'll smile at this one, I'm sure. Helping them understand that reading the slides is not presenting and speaking (laughs) and that slides for a presentation should not be 
filled with 26 bullet points in 14 point type. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Crazy. I know. No, I've, been to, I've been to Go your ahead. PowerPoint class. So uh, right? I, I've heard that once before. <laughs> yeah, no. So when these days, you know, when, when, when you're a senior executive and you're privileged to be able to have a communications lead slash speechwriter on your team, that's one kind of relationship when you're bringing in an expert because you have a must win presentation ahead of you. In that latter case, you really want to put yourself in someone's hands. You've got to establish that trust, right? But you want to put yourself in someone's hands and say, what can I learn from you? And my favorite clients are the ones who are aggressive about wanting to learn what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You, you mentioned the term a narrative arc. Can you uh, go a little bit deeper on that? Happy to. The idea that as listeners, we respond to story and we respond to structure. So I like to work with anybody who's getting ready to give a presentation that has to be a winner to help them figure out what is the best way to make your point. And it gets done differently if you're trying to help them develop three minutes of content versus 30 minutes of content or 45 or an hour. But especially the longer you go and the more you, the more you want to go deep on the points you want to make, there's different standard structures that you can use. You can start by telling a story and then point out, and the point of the story is, and then lead the audience into, and here's why I'm telling you this and what we're gonna do about it. And then you get to point number two, and you again do story, explanation, and call to action. That sort of structure gives the audience something that almost literally can be bulleted out or uh, ends up looking like a, remember in high school when you were asked to do a. Uh, like an impromptu, uh, an impromptu yeah, speech. Yeah. Yeah. No, a um, oh, fooey with the, the Roman, the ones and the A's and the Roman. Oh yeah. Like ones those, and those the outline. outline. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you can, you can almost intuit the outline structure. There's also, there's a variety of rhetorical devices that end up being part of your narrative structure. The way you tell certain stories, being able to start a story at the front end of your presentation, segue into some other points you want to make and then tell the end of the story later mm -hmm. or tell bits and pieces of the story throughout. I'm always mesmerized when I realized that a speaker has started telling me a story and then moved on to make some other point. And all of a sudden, oh, wow, we're back in the main thread of the story again. <laughs> yeah. And then you know, they, they use that as their device for carrying me through and keeping my interest and making sure that I care about what it is they're getting across. Most corporate executives, whether they're marketing, finance, technical side, they just don't think like this. And yet it's the way that their audiences take in information best. And there's the value of working with people who are 
not only experts in communications, but it's why having an expert in communication who has spent the time thinking about and understanding how people learn and how people best take in information and make it memorable, that's the value that I try and deliver. Because as you know, you can be absolutely blown away by a speaker's quality on stage. It's what any of us who do some speaking on our speaking ourselves for a living want. But what do you really remember 30 minutes after or a month after? Where's the call to action? Where's the follow-up? A well-crafted presentation drops a few key points into someone's head and makes them memorable in a way that if you ask someone a month later, what was it that the boss said? they actually do have that one thing cemented in their memory. Yeah. You mentioned like clever phrases uh, that stick, probably repeating them over and over again. Uh, the, you said the right graphic for the visual yes. learner, right? To I'm be like, oh, of, I remember when I drew that thing, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm a big fan of acronyms, of mnemonic devices, yes. of getting people on their feet and having them physically do something for those kinesthetic learners, right? If you can appeal to the multiple ways that your audience learns or that each one of us learn. Some of us learn best by hearing, but it's enhanced by what we see and what we feel and do. And others have different, I think of it as like a a graphic equalizer, right? You, You push the buttons and some people spike on, I learn by doing and other people spike on, I learn by listening. If you've got something for everyone in your presentation, all of a sudden, you know, you're getting your point across. And I I do love things like acronyms and clever phrases. I was an English major after all. I like the (laughs) wordplay. If I can help a leader come up with the five word phrase that happens to rhyme or the one word where, oh yeah, we're going to, this is all about acorns and the A stands for this and the C for that and the O for that suddenly you've got something that people walk away with and remember. And you've got a visual and a, a words, a set of words that can be used in your follow-up communications. Yeah, I've got an example of all those. Just as you're speaking, my brain was lighting up. Like on the wordplay, I remember going to a seminar uh, from John Maxwell who said, you know, as you're taking notes from a seminar or a book, use ACT. How are you gonna act when you come back? A is apply, C is change, T is what are you gonna teach, right? Yeah. I, I remember I remember the visual uh, guy in a seminar, man, I was, I must've been 30 years old then. And he drew a bell curve and he said, 80% of your employees are steadies, 10% are, are uh, superstars and 10% are mediocres. You know, and you want to pull the morale towards, and I, I still draw that in many a seminar yeah. today. And that was, man, that was 20, 20 25 years ago um, uh, for, the, for the visual. And then when you say the kinesthetic, uh, I remember someone making a stand on a line and uh, either go left or right a step or two, whether we agreed or disagreed with that statement. Still a tool I use uh, in team building. So yeah. uh, that, that was great. The learning style reminder for us all. No, and the stuff that I, I was, I did a keynote presentation uh, that was on the subject of storytelling in order to build customer relationships. This is just back at the end of 2021. And 
we talked about, I, I used as an example, knowing the audience in the room and the, the age span of it, we talked about the number of TV theme songs that are stories that stick in your head. They stick <laughs> in your head partly because of repetition. You People have seen these shows over and over and over again. Brady Bunch, Gilligan's Island. Partly, it, well, yeah, and those were ex those were two of the examples that we used. That the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, and yes. we had I took I, because that's my generation's yep. stuff, and clearly yours as well. Uh, you know, I I took thoughts from the audience of you know what other what other songs do you remember that began? I literally had three or four members of the audience come up to the front of the room. And we had a hundred people, commercial real estate brokers and agents and, and, and <laughs> researchers singing the theme song to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Well, if they took nothing else away from that <laughs> keynote, and I sure hope they did because I worked hard on it, they at least remember that if you're gonna tell a good story and make it stick, Here's a couple of memorable things that the writers of the theme song, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, did, in addition to putting it to a catchy tune, right? <laughs> Some of the, the visceral things, you know, it was the, the feeling of getting beat up on the neighborhood playground and of going to an unfamiliar place, things everybody can relate to. And suddenly I had them thinking, oh, you know, this is a useful device for getting people to remember me and remember things. So yeah, the, this, there's, there's a bunch of different ways that people take things into their brains and store them away. And we as communicators get to help them along because ultimately if you're the boss or you're the salesperson, it's in your very best interest to make sure that the audiences you're reaching find you and your content memorable. Mm, that is so good. I, and I can remember also those speakers who did start that story at the beginning and totally drew us in, reeling us in like on a fishing line, uh, hit that somewhere in the middle. They're giving us the takeaways as they go through their story. And then at the end, I, uh, some some of me are like, you probably want me to finish the story, right? And we're all like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. How does it end? How does it end? <laughs> and then yeah, the sometime back, I worked with a client who uh, it was she had just published her first book, and it turns out that one of the stories she told in the book had a resolution that happened after the book had been published. So we made sure to use that story early on in her book tour speech. And then she went on to multiple points after that. And we were able to add the epilogue as she ended the speech. And it really just brought the whole thing together. Somewhat, she told a story about someone who early in their career had real impact by doing something unexpected. The punchline to the story that she was able to add in the speech was, this person 20 something years later ended up becoming the chief executive officer of that organization. Oh, that is so cool. Very, very yeah, cool. And those kinds of payoffs, I mean, ideally they give your audience goosebumps and ideally 
they stick in your mind as, oh yeah, remember that story about that woman who became CEO Yeah, 20 years before that, she took a risk and it paid off. And that's how they knew she was a leader to follow, even though yeah. she was still an individual contributor. Ah, oh, so good. Well, we need to right? take a quick break. Uh, you're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. You can find out more about me at, on LinkedIn. I'm Paul D. Casey there. And my guest, Brian Rutberg, as well on LinkedIn, B-R-Y-A-N-R-U-T-B-E-R-G. We're going to be back after the break. And I'm going to talk about that, how I started today, that all you need is love. And why love and communication go together? Yes, even in the corporate world. Come on back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye, Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry teams team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more, and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net. You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. We are back. I'm with Brian Rutberg. We're having a great time talking about communication. And uh, boy, if if you didn't get a lot of that first session, uh, no matter what kind of presentation you have to give, uh, boy, I hope you're taking notes and uh, make sure to rewind this if you need to, because Brian shared a lot of things on how to be memorable uh, when you're a communicator, even in your personal life. And Brian, on your LinkedIn about page, you talk about how every aspect of the world needs more love. So tell us more about that. I'm excited to tell you about that. If I can offer one one thought uh, after your, your quick intro to our second half here. Let's not have anybody make the mistake that what we're talking about here is always the big speech in front of lots and lots of people. Right. This is uh, some of my favorite clients to work with are the ones who are early and mid-career who need to go in front of whether it's a board of directors or a group of their, you know, their boss and their boss's boss in order to ask for 
investment money for a project or an additional sure. headcount for something or permission to pursue a particular passion project that might pay off. All of us, when we communicate, no matter what level of the organization, we owe it to ourselves to be thoughtful about how we communicate. It doesn't mean we need, mean we need to write a speech for everything. It does mean we need to be thoughtful about what does the audience need to hear in order for me to achieve the objective that I want to achieve and what's in it for them if they help me along the path. Yes, thank you for bringing up. It's a transferable skill for sure. Yeah, and that gets us to this idea of, of love in the workplace. The ebook that I've got out, you can visit the, the 3C Communications webpage and you'll find a link to download is called Love and Profit. 10 Ways to Transform Your Customers into Lustomers. And we can you know, discuss the, the, the Lustomer term if we wish, but it's all about being memorable, right? Yes. But the idea that when we do get rid of our own ego, when we're looking to communicate and build a relationship with others, when we begin to see our job as a communicator in the world of business where there is at heart something transactional going on, anytime you're literally selling a product or a service, sure you want the person you're engaging with to buy, but nobody buys just because you ask them to. They buy because they're solving a problem of their own. The moment you, as a communicator, whether you're giving a speech to all of your employees or preparing a presentation for your customers at some event, when you begin to think about what am I delivering to them? Why is what I'm going to propose in their best interest? And why would they want it? And how does it help them achieve their objectives? Well, that starts to feel to me like you're demonstrating love for them, right? When you begin to put someone else ahead of yourself, it's pretty amazing, but it starts to pay off for everyone because you get those two things, super powerful motivators for humans, love, profit. I, I like to say I'm a, I'm a hippie with an MBA and... <laughs> The, the hippie part, yeah, man, peace, love, Bobby Sherman, all that good stuff, right? <laughs> it, it's about wanting harmony in the world. It's about wanting to maximize happiness. It's about feeling like you're connected to others and that their objectives can be your objectives and you're both trying to achieve something good together. If that's happening in a business relationship and the conversation or communication is respectful so that you're ready to adjust your thinking as needed by the person that you're connected with, profit will indeed follow. Mm -hmm. You'll get your way more or you will come to see that an answer that doesn't necessarily, even getting a no can be a step on a path to a yes. Yep. And sometimes there's an answer somewhere between yes and often there's an answer somewhere between yes and no that gets down to the, what are we trying to achieve here? And what are the creative ways we can get there? 
if you begin from a place of genuine curiosity about someone else's needs and objectives, and you can help them get there, they are going to make your needs and objectives happen as well. Genuine curiosity. Yes. Because then it's not selling. You are truly serving and not selling. And serving and love to me go, go hand in hand. For sure. The um, book Getting to Yes was influential in, mm-hmm. in my thinking and, and it remains a, a favorite topic to teach on. Because you begin thinking about a negotiation, which is something that spikes a lot of people's blood pressure and, and gets them anxious. <laughs> you begin the process of preparing for a negotiation by thinking about, well, what are my interests here? What do I really want out of this? And it's not necessarily outcome-based, it's why you want that outcome. And if you start to think that creatively, you begin to realize there's multiple ways I can achieve that particular outcome. And being curious enough, that word again, to inquire as to what are your interests here? What are you really trying to achieve? That too, feels like love to me. You're not suggesting it's my way or the highway. You're saying we're traveling this journey together. How do we both end up with what we want? And if I say I'm a seller, because I did carry a bag at Hewlett Packard for a lot of years, and then I helped a lot of bag carriers do their thing as I was leading global partnerships with software companies and things like that. If you begin from what is it you're trying to accomplish and how can I be a part of that boy, you sure get better answers than, do you need to buy anything today? (laughs) I would agree with that, 100%. All right, Brian, you you mentioned the word lustomers. You know, we're all, you you did tease us, you're doing exactly what you're teaching. So uh, go ahead, fill us in. (laughs) The idea that something needs to stick in people's heads is, is important. And so a cute, clever phrase can tend to do that. And yes, I've, I've started, I've taken the steps to get it trademarked. I'm waiting for my friends at the trademark office. But if you think about it, when we talk about levels of engagement, we, we talk about a sales process that starts with, need and then awareness and and then folks becoming aware of your specific offer and comparing and contrasting you with competing ways to achieve the same objective. And then someone actually might become a prospect and then they become a customer. And then if you're fortunate and you do the right things and you're solving their needs, whether you're aware of it or not, or whether you're aware exactly how or not, you get the privilege of their being a repeat customer, and then you can go from repeat customer to regular customer, loyal customer, fan, advocate. That's where the traditional cycle ends. You get to a fan and advocate. And I felt like I wanted to take the conversation one level further because all of those stages you can absolutely look to measurable impact of carrying someone or helping someone move through all those stages. You can look at a customer lifetime value equation. How much do they spend? How often do they spend it? Over what period of time do you maintain this relationship? If you can influence any one of those inputs, you get a better outcome at the end. 
You can look at things like net promoter score, likelihood to or intent to refer. And then you can even go so far, and here's where Lustimer territory starts to fit in, as to understand what percentage of the leads that I am pursuing and the deals that I'm closing have come from referrals from customers? Mm. Have I invested in my customers enough that they are not only saying they will say nice things about me, which is what the net promoter score measures, but are they actually? And what's the value there, even if you can't put a very specific down to the last decimal point dollar figure on it? Because we do know that if I'm getting referrals from my customers, it is easier and less expensive for me to close a deal with a prospect who's been referred than a prospect I have generated in any other way. Yeah. Those customers have a proven tendency to, excuse me, stick around longer. They give you a little more grace because they already know of another successful customer. So if there is a hiccup early in the relationship while you're still figuring each other out, they are more likely to stick around with you. And then there's all the things that don't show up on a balance sheet at all. When I was at Microsoft and as a speechwriter for this executive, we placed great value in having customers come on stage with Microsoft executives and say nice things about the relationship they had with the company and the good choice they had made to invest in a particular product or solution. How do you measure the value of a customer who says, yeah, I'll come up and say nice things about you, not just to one person, but to a whole audience of them? How do you measure the behind the scenes value of a customer who says, I'll participate in a focus group for you or take it one step further. I will be part of an ongoing effort that you call a customer advisory board or customer advisory council. Building those kinds of relationships, let's go ahead and call them lustomer relationships. You have now got something where they appreciate you as a partner, not just a vendor. They are ready to say nice things about you and help you grow your business because they understand that you've got their best interest at heart. And so they return the favor. That's a real special relationship. And yes, it's got love at the heart of it. It's a different (laughs) kind of love than romantic love, but you can still chart back to there's a wooing stage. There's a getting comfortable with each other stage. And then eventually there's a, I care about your needs as much as I care about my own or more. And that's where you get into the servant relationship, the service relationship you were speaking of. Yes. Yeah. So good. So some of our listeners are team leaders, right? They, they lead a team, maybe they're uh, the head of the organization or head of a department. And uh, team leaders often give employee surveys. And it does seem from the companies that I've consulted with that always these surveys say communication needs improvement at the leadership level of the company. I'm wondering if you also have seen this to be true, Brian, and what do you think people are longing for when they give that not 100% rating on that survey? That's such a good question. There's the, and the answers are potentially so rich because there are without question many organizations that don't do anywhere near a good job of communicating with their folks. 
decisions get made and don't get communicated, or if they get communicated, they don't get explained. There is no back and forth with the audience over. People don't try and learn enough from their employees. So it's not a two-way conversation. There is not the same level of curiosity that I like to advocate between those who feel the need to communicate or feel compelled to communicate and those to whom they are communicating. However, I'll bet some of the organizations that you have looked at where their employees say, oh, I just wish our leadership communicated better it's entirely possible because I've seen it a bunch of times the the leadership team is doing a fantastic job of communicating. There's just always this desire to know more. In fact, ironically, sometimes the better job you do, the more people feel like they want to know. And I always view that as a good thing. My people are hungry to understand the logic behind what we're doing. Mm. I like to think of it as a, one of my favorite new TV shows, Abbott Elementary, <laughs> just got picked up for its second season. And I guess they're they're shooting a full 22 episodes for the season. And I think their initial season was like 10. So they, they got over the hump. They got their tryout and they got their 22. And some of the, the, the social media traffic about this that views it as good news is saying, wow, so 22 episodes is just like the old days of of sitcoms. We're going to get season-long story arcs, but we'll probably also get, you know, the very special episodes, the special Christmas episode or Halloween episode or what have you. Communication done right is, has that element of predictability in that it happens regular and rhythmically and people know when to look for it and they feel like they've been brought behind the scenes and they understand not only what's happening but what results it's getting and why it's going that way and all of that and then a really good leadership team is going to surprise you periodically with their very special episode too right? Yeah, I know we're doing our bi-weekly newsletter or I know that we have our all-hands meetings once a month But hey, here's something off cycle that, oh, I just wanted to share it with you. This is how you get a group, an audience, whether it's your employees, your business partners, your customers, your board, to know that ah, these people really care about me. They're showing the love. I get the rhythmic, regular stuff that I have now come to count on, and they've taught me, if you will, that I can count on it. And every now and again, they throw in that little something extra because they feel I need to know it off cycle. And it doesn't come in as a hair on fire. You need to know this, but it's just as often the just wanted you to know a great story that I just heard or something I did that really has me excited or it's recognition or something like that. That's how you finally get your audience past well, I wish they'd do a better job communicating. When they know what they can count on and every now and again you surprise and delight them, that's the aim that I've got with the folks I work with. 
I love that. That's that's like a, a secret that you're not going to hear very often in a communication seminar. Uh, you're going to hear that first part, the rhythmic communication, feeling brought in on decisions, you know, uh, feeling trusted, like you trust us with this information. That's pretty cool. But to add that special episode communication once in a while, it's sort of a pattern um, interrupt that sort of gets your attention. Yes. It makes me want to do that for my own e-newsletter, you know, for my clients to once in a while mix it up with something different that's like, oh, back on the screen. And just to test to see if it gets a different opening rate than mm -hmm. the typical newsletter. Absolutely, for sure. It's also important as a leadership communicator to understand that your people have day jobs too, right? There's the stuff you're paying <laughs> them to do, yeah. the stuff that they have to do to keep the vehicle moving forward. And just because you communicate it out does not mean it is received. Nope. Yeah, it shows up in their inbox, but do you read every email that hits your inbox? Do you feel like <laughs> you're, you, you know it's there, you know you can go back to it, but you've got to, one, say things repeatedly, two, say, say them in different ways at different times, just because I put it in the newsletter doesn't mean I don't raise it as a topic at the all hands if I want to make sure that you get it. Doesn't mean I don't shoot a short video and send it out to you, which perhaps catches you off guard because you're used to written content, not verbal content. There's, there's, you've got to mix it up and you've got to say it over and over and over if it's important because there's the consistent risk that your audience is going to miss it if you put it out there once and think that they've got it. Yeah, uh, I've heard it said vision leaks, you know, and I've actually got a cup now that I've cut holes in the bottom. So when I give my talk on vision, I'm going to pour water, you know, in and have it leak out the bottom to show that you just have to keep filling that cup because it keeps spilling out the bottom where people are not catching that communication one way or another. Yeah, and good look stuff. what you've done there. There's a beautiful visual metaphor. <laughs> you could talk about that all day. Or you can tell the story of, you can create the analogy, well, it's, you know, like a cup that has a hole in the bottom. But when you show that to your audience, every time they go out and pour a cup of coffee or get a glass of water from that point forward, every X number of time, they're going to think, oh, yeah, I remember that crazy guy who had the cup that had the hole in the bottom. It's going to stick. Yes. And then you get the question of act, right? Are they going to? actually do something about it but you, you can you can lead these horses to water even if sometimes the water flows through the cup oh yes absolutely well and you seem to prioritize public speaking um as a communication skill that everyone needs at the organization not if they're just at the executive level uh, why is getting better at public speaking no matter what position you have such a priority I guess there's two reasons that that make sense to me. One is it is foundational. If you can think about who's in your audience, what do they need to hear? There's a true visual of your audience. If you're doing public speaking, you're in front of a group and it forces you to start asking questions like, who is in my audience? What's my goal with where I want to move them emotionally and philosophically? What's the ask that I have of them? It allows you to go through a process that is equally applicable for any other form of communication, 
but it's easy to easier to envision with public speaking because your audience is literally there in front of you. They're not people on the other side of a send button on your computer keyboard. The other reason, it's the part that scares the hell out of more people than anything else. <laughs> That's right. And that has a couple of benefits. If you, if you handle the scary stuff, the other stuff starts to feel a lot easier. And frankly, I'm running a business too here. Remember love and profit. Mm-hmm. I've found there are more people who are ready to invest in getting to be a better public speaker than there are who are willing to invest to be a better regular writer. You get to teach both lessons if you get the chance to get in front of a client team and run a workshop or something like that. But if you lead with public speaking, you're tapping into most people's deepest well of anxiety. Yep. And that's the problem. I want to help people feel more comfortable. Yes. Yes. Well, Brian, as we wrap up, uh, help us all better our relationships. Um, what do you want to promote for our listeners' personal leadership development that can outlive this podcast? Yeah. And how can our listeners best contact you? Fantastic. Thanks for the, the opportunity. And man, I hope you've, as a listener, I hope you've stuck around to the end here and that you've gotten something out of it. If you have, I just sure love to hear from you. What did you take away and what did you like? And it's Brian with a Y at 3ccoms, C-O-M-M-S dot com. Send me an email. You can also check out the website, 3ccoms.com. If what really spoke to you in this discussion that Paul and I have been having is the thought of building more love and creating closer customer relationships in general, there's a lot more than just communications. There's also the programs that you can run. There's the culture that you do. Go to the website and check out the ebook that I've already mentioned, Love and Profit. There's a link right there on the website. If you're really thinking that the communications part is what spoke to you and what you need, we'll put into the show notes a URL for a simple 20-question, rank one to five, your own skills, or you can have it addressed to the organization's skills that you run, your own self-assessment on communications skills. And based on where you find yourself scoring, I've got some suggestions for you as to how you can grow your skills, but we all want to know where we're strong and where we're weak. This will help you with that. So check out the ebook by all means, uh, check out the self-assessment and just shoot me a note and tell me what spoke to you during this. Cause I do love you and I want to hear what's making a difference for you. Thanks, Brian. You've been a tremendous resource today. Thank you for listening to episode 31. Please spread the word about this podcast to those in your circle of influence who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Also have a free tool coming your way. Go over to my website, growingforwardservices.net. Take the free animal personality quiz. Not only will you get your results and how to bring out the best in your style, but you'll be in the Growing Forward tribe from then on. And hey, it deals a lot with communication for sure. Remember, you must lead yourself well before you can lead your team well. Until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel.